So happy to be back and working with Santa Anita this meet. Lots of stuff going on Saturday and Sunday, the 14th and 15th. $80 Santa Anita feeders compete online to win entries into the super low ratio BCBC qualifier and a cash prize pool. You can play online at expressbet.com. As we've talked about, the traditional $1 pick six is back. There's an all-turf pick three going on. So much cool stuff. And then the free contest as well. The Showviver contest you can play in. You can play in the Pick'em contest, combining sports props with horse racing. SantaAnita.com slash contest, the place to go to learn more. Keeneland is back, folks, and I am so excited to be making my journey there this weekend. We've got contest action, which is always so much fun. You're going to want to get involved in the contest action that Keeneland has going on. Jim Goodman the man to reach out to, to sign up and get involved. You can also find all the info on Keeneland.com. You can play online. You can play in person. It's not too late to sign up for the Keeneland contest this weekend. Uh, There's a bigger one and and a lower money one as well. Once again, you can find all of that info over at Keeneland.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races of Saturday, October 14th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. we got a great show for you. We're going to start off talking about uh, Aqueduct, Belmont at Aqueduct, and uh, Keeneland. We're going to do a little dive into the all-turf pick three, one of our favorite wagers on Saturday. Klaus Ebner is going to be here a little bit later to talk about JRA. Big stuff happening in the JRA. Saturday night, we'll wrap things up north of the border. we got a lot of stakes action up at Woodbine and a little NFL chatter brought to you by our friends from Cut, K-U-T-T, the social betting app uh, with Drew Cotney. We'll get to that in a minute, but we're going to start off with the breaking news. And uh, to do that and the first couple of segments with me, we bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? What's going on? Yeah, it's... Uh... Interesting news that, that we'll get to, but uh, looking forward to it. It's starting to feel a little bit like Breeders' Cup. I finally made a oh, yeah. made a couple of reservations for Breeders' Cup week. <laughs> uh, I did a little Arroyo Chop House situation. Nice. I did a little uh, Dent Typhoon. Because here's the problem, right, is that you know me well enough to know this, Pete. I, I hate committing to a dinner. I, I don't. I I'm just hate. Shocked. I'm like, who are you, and what have you done with Jonathan making reservations? This is clearly a Jovanina changing you thing. I'm just going to say, yeah, it right it's a hundred percent that the, this family, the the parents are coming as well. The family's <laughs> obviously revolves around food, and uh, so I, it's it's Big Ron's first trip to Santa Anita, so I had to make sure he hit the two good spots. So great. Well, we'll talk off air. I've got some stuff committed, but boy, would it be fun to join you guys at th- those are my two. But, you know, we'll do a little Santa Anita lifestyle segment unscheduled. Um, th- those would be two of my, maybe my very top two places to go. Uh, Din Tai Fung, at the, going, you going to the one right there at the mall? Yeah, I think so. It's not an ideal time, and I probably won't even go, but I just had to get it. Oh, that's very funny. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk all about it, but yeah, I mean, you were always the one, you know, we're trying to get you to commit to dinner with me and Marshall and, you know, in your own, you don't say it this mean, but the implication is always, well, guys, I'd love to commit to dinner with you, but I have to wait to see if something else better comes along. No, 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 no. I just hate, that's not true at all. I just, I hate, I hate, I mean, like 
Jovanina packs to go on vacation three d three days in advance, and we almost fight every time. Like I don't. She's like, "Well, do you know what you're gonna wear?" No, I don't know what I'm. Gonna, what do you? Why are you bothered? We have three days. I, <laughs> so. this is very, very funny. Well, we'll 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 get it figured out. There's gonna be some great eating and drinking out in Santini in the month. Let's get to the news of the day. We we can't do an hour here. We don't have time. You gotta get the you gotta get down to business straight away here. But we've got to talk, Frankie Detroit. Now you know. People who are longtime listeners of In The Money Media know we don't do a lot in the way of redboarding around here. Frankly, we should probably do more, less because of anything smart you and I ever say on these airwaves, JK, and more because of some of the great opinions we've had from guests over the year. But we're, we're the last ones usually to say, oh, hey, we were right about that. But I will say, when it comes to this Frankie Dettori, they're trying to spin it. It's, it's not an unretirement. It's a it's a European retirement, and he's relocating uh, and re. Uh, launching his career essentially in the United States. I think the first time we predicted this on these airways was April. I just want to take credit for that. Well, look, I mean, I think he probably, I think it's, I think it's a pretty simple, I think it's, I think it, I think it lands, it's two reasons. And I think it's very simple. Those two reasons. One, I think he enjoyed his time in California. Um, I think he enjoyed that enough and his family enjoyed it enough for him to be able to say, Oh, I can come here and have beautiful weather, not have to jump on a bunch of airplanes. And here we go. The other thing I think is I think that Frankie really wants a Kentucky Derby on his resume um, to feel that he could potentially go down as one of the greatest national, you know, worldwide riders of all time. I think he really wants a Derby. And I think kind of planting himself in California and trying to hitch his wagon to a couple um, throughout the next couple of years, I think he feels like he's got a pretty good shot of doing it. I think it kind of, you know, it narrows down to that, right? And there's, and, and look, he, he probably doesn't have a heavy load in California either. There's, you know, well, three it's, not a lot of race days. So it's not like he's, you know, having to race six days a week. You know, I, it kind of makes sense. No, I mean, I think that's part of why we were predicting it. And then I wonder if he won't, I was originally thinking he might selectively continue to appear, ask it uh, Middle East. I mean, you'd think he would still go to the Middle East. Gosh, chance to to ride you know, a couple of random days for, for all that money for, for top California horses. I wonder if they back off doing Ascot and, and the arc and things that, you know, he really did have rolled out as like a proper farewell tour. What would you say to those JK? And I, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter more, more from, you know, racing fans than, than people inside the industry, but some industry people as well saying, well, didn't he kind of take everybody for a ride in, 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 in Europe with all these big, uh, well, I mean, look, if he shows up, if he shows up at Royal Ascot next year and he's riding five a day, then yeah, he, he, he took everyone for a ride, but I, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think he's doing that necessarily. I think he's probably, you know, I think he's probably going to stay away from, from situations like that. I think he'll follow big horses on big days like elsewhere, I, I think, you know, but I, look, I don't think he's going to be riding over there enough to be on those big horses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to answer the call to say, Hey, do you want to ride this, you know, eight to one shot in the, in the queen Mary? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that that's really what's going to happen. Now I, mean, I guess there's a possibility he ends up on a good Wesley Ward horse or something over here and then goes over there. But uh, I, I don't think so. I almost see him booked as a special attraction from here on in when he's when he's riding uh, out of out of California. But here's the thing. I mean, look, I, life's complicated. People change their minds. And 
I'm just not that worried. I mean, I get it. I'm not going to say anybody's wrong for feeling the way that they feel. But I, I also think like in the big picture of life, isn't it better to have one of our biggest stars still as part of our, our biggest events and days? And, and I, I think that's hard. That's a hard one to disagree with when I say it like that, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I, let's, he, we're, we're better off with him involved, right? I mean, I, it, with his charisma, uh, he, he makes the, for a more interesting and, and attractive sport. Perhaps a future JK plus one guest uh, out there in California. Yeah, he'd be fun to have for sure. He'd be fun to have uh, definitely. Yeah. So we, we, um, we, we, we definitely try to get him on there. You've been continuing to crush it. Tell us about your latest episode. I had Aaron Wellman from, um, from Eclipse Thoroughbreds. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Michael McCarthy set me up with a few good stories to get him to tell. Um, one being about how he, 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 he thought he was a, uh, he thought he was a two sport athlete, um, in college, soccer and baseball. Uh, he was really good at soccer and wanted to play baseball as well. Went out there for baseball tryouts, uh, basically was just involved in like the inner squad scrimmage and, uh, a very famous, he found out later, a very famous picture, uh, basically caused him to walk back to the dugout and say, thank you coach for the opportunity and go back to his apartment. <laughs> missing a ball by three feet that's what i'm picturing it was three no it was three balls was three strikes in a row <laughs> oh that's very funny i love it well that uh aaron's great and I, we love the eclipse thoroughbred partners over here and very eager to listen and as with all the jk plus ones i feel like you always get some little tidbits you can you can seem to use in your handicapping whether it's just trying to understand why horses associated with the people end up in certain spots etc it's just the kind of show where you go so in depth that you can't help but learn something when you listen so we encourage folks to check that out we thank uh, Sheikh fahad and qatar racing for uh, sponsoring jk plus one on the in the money media network a partnership we've really enjoyed and will hopefully uh, continue going forward Let's talk about some racing, JK. Do you want to start in New York or you want to start at Keeneland? I'll let you pick. Uh, it doesn't matter. Your call. All right. We'll do New York because it's earlier because we're going to do – we're doing something very different here. We're going to do the early pick five. Why are we doing that? Well, the stakes are early, and I think that's because weather expected from the middle of the day on Saturday at Aqueduct. So hopefully these five races we're going to talk about, a little bit of a departure here, are going to be able to uh, get in and stay on the turf. That's how I looked at them anyway. It kicks off with two-year-old maiden claiming fillies going seven furlongs on the dirt. And JK, I usually throw it to the guest for the first one, but when I'm so dull, I'm going to just take it and run with it. Uh, I really liked extra dirty in this spot. I think that uh, she's got an opportunity just looking at pace figures to be very close to the lead. Um, this is uh, this is still a significant drop. I like the fact that the form of the race isn't working out amazing, but a lot of the horses who ran in right around extra dirty have improved their figures significantly. The three antenna looked like an obvious one to back up with uh, on the drop out of that just FYI race, who of course came back to win the Frazette. But I was just 6-3 in here. I had absolutely nothing clever. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, it, look, I mean, extra dirty or, or antenna, uh, look like the horses the, to beat off of the connections as well as the drop. Um, yep. you know, it just caught, it caught me off guard. I just noticed the five. The, the, do you see who the owner of the five is by the glass? Yeah. Is that, is that the same person that we know with that name? It is Madison Matt Miller, Maddie Matt Miller, Jake's, uh, Jake's, I guess, I mean, wife, but part, whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
um yeah but they, they said they said they, they bought the pin hook and and it didn't didn't work out so they're they're in here could be competitive with this but they didn't it wasn't like a cut in line to bet thing it, it feels yeah. like one of the two droppers uh the uh the three or the six good luck calling the race with the name of the three and the four together uh, yeah, that's not going to be that easy going from uh, Antenna to Althena. Maybe maybe they're just different enough that uh, that, that uh, John and Brial, the old pro, will, will be able to get away with it. Race number two is the grade two Sands Point. Three-year-old Phillies going a mile and an eighth. Funny to have this race on the same day as the QE2. But hey, they both filled. So maybe this isn't one where I should be uh, complaining about the USA stakes schedule. One of my favorite uh, one of my favorite little tangents to go on. We, we do have main track onlys in here. Again, I was an optimist and I looked at it for turf. Uh, where did your eye go in here, JK? Yeah, there's two horses that, that got my attention. Um, you know, obviously uh, the seven eternal hope who uh, looks to be uh, one that you'd want to have in in the mix here after breaking slow last time. Did get a huge pace to close into, but I still think ran well enough um, at, at the start of this meet. But the other one is the 4B, your best, who who actually does show up in the other sequence we'll talk about at Keeneland. I would imagine that, that Horatio DePaz will, will just stay back here and, and kind of keep this home game for be your best, right? I mean, uh, the, the horse shipped out to Del Mar, has been working at Belmont, why not run here where you're seven to two versus running at Keeneland where you're 117 to, to, to one or whatever it might be. Um, you know, there looks to be some monsters in there. This also could be a situation where, you know, Horatio is going to see what's happening weather wise. And if, if tomorrow or, or, you know, it looks the, 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 it looks bad. He could probably just pop the horse on a van and still get her down to, for the QE two um, on Saturday. Seven and four for you in the Sands point, JK. Uh, those were two that I was certainly looking at and going to mention if you didn't. But I was going to make the one Soviet excess my top pick in here, this daughter of Uncle Mo out of a British Red Tappet Dam. I just like how good that, uh, that she's gotten lately. I mean, hey, on form figures, she's been winning races uh, since the spring. But it's really those last two speed figures that uh, leapt out to me, making me think she was much improved. I'm hoping she can get away from there, get a good spot from that inside draw. And I think there might be uh, enough speed to bring her closing kick into it. I was imagining her getting the jump over Eternal Hope, who, you know, I'm not counting on breaking slowly once again, but Jamie Spencer, it's like... um, Think of Rosario, this is an exaggeration, but think of Rosario only with his closing ride with more patience. And that's often what you get from Jamie Spencer. <laughs> could be very far out of it and have a lot of work to do. So I was thinking maybe the one could get the jump. And, and I certainly agree that if bet your best or be your best shows up in here, another one that you want to contend with. Can you, can you see my one at all? Did you have a, a reason against or you just like yours better kind of a deal? No, especially off the trip last time. I'm not, I'm not completely against, um, you know, draws inside. It's not very often you see Todd and Dylan hook up, but uh, no, I, I'm not against at all. I just felt like the other two were likely a little bit better. Let's move on to race number three, where we've got $16,000 claimers going six furlongs. My angle here, JK, was that the entries are going to take absolutely all the money. And while they certainly make sense, I thought you could make a little case for Airshow, another horse that's just gotten in very good form lately. And I thought could pull the right kind of stalk and pounce trip in a race where I do think there'll be plenty of speed. It won't be leaving the, definitely won't be leaving the the ones off the ticket, especially uh, assuming big engine gets in, should get a great um, pace to to set up. But, you know, at, at likely odds on, it's going to take a little bit of a shot against with Airshow and call this one five and the one entry for me. 
this would be so much more fun of a race if they weren't coupled. Um, yeah. I will say this, St. Selby, who uh, with Rob Atris is, is a very, very fast horse. Chateau, who used to be with Rob Atris, also a very fast horse. And two horses that don't necessarily, you know, they don't necessarily have another way of going. They're forward. Uh, Chateau, I remember back in the day when when uh, when when Kendrick used to ride, he he actually was one of the people that pointed out. I think he might have pointed it out on on the podcast that we did with him, where that Chateau likes Aqueduct because it's tighter turns. He didn't like Belmont. The sweeping turns didn't do him any favors in the way that he ran. If you look at his record at Aqueduct, six for seventeen uh, in his career uh, at Aqueduct, he's you know six for seventeen. He's got three seconds and five thirds. Uh, do the math quickly. He's 17 runs. He's in the money 14 times. Yeah, and, and only two wins nope, all didn't. the other tracks. So to, to that point. Yeah, I mean, he just, he, he so look, it's going to fall apart. And I think big engine or octopus will pick up the pieces. Um, it's really just a really tricky race to have with these entries. But I only need the one and the two. I, I'll officially pick big engine as my pick, 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 pick. But yeah. Um, I, it, this is a tough race to try to navigate no matter what, uh, wager you're playing. You don't like my, uh, you don't like my, uh, air show idea to get a piece. You think he's a little, um, no, little I just, I just think that like, you know, his, his, his best two, three races, he's a little bit closer. He's not just like a come from out of it horse. He's going to get sucked along too fast. I think and be, and be, uh, I, I, could see that. I was hoping that uh, Silvera would be able to, to to not let that happen. And I feel like if Airshow can sit where like the time for pace projector has him sitting, um, that would be great. But yeah, that happens sometimes to closers. They get sucked along and you get too close to that fast early pace and it could take the sting out of the finish. That could be his undoing. But I'm still going to take a shot because I think there's going to be so much value in these picks if you can get away from those two entries, though. Maybe I'm uh, tilting at windmills here. Let's go on to race number four, the Floral Park Stakes. Six furlongs, Phillies and mares, 125,000 in the pot. And I think a lot of the eyes here are just going to see this race as a match between Poppy Flower and Bubble Rock. And JK, I can't really disagree. How about you? You know, I'm just not really a Bubble Rock guy. I, I, and I just, I, but um, I, I do see the, 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 the potential for this horse to run well. He runs well, you know, he, he runs well going the six. I think he might even be better going six than he is going five and a half. I, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give Scottish Star a shot. It was one of those situations where, when when a horse kind of outperforms my opinion, I, I have to. You, you kind of have to, if you believe you have a good opinion or you trust your opinion, then you kind of have to give the horse credit for doing that. And and I thought he had no shot to run well uh, at Saratoga, trying to go five and a half off of some of those mile races, and he ran pretty well. He, he ran pretty well, and 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 I thought that. Um, you know, maybe getting that extra half furlong will actually help him out. You know, he's one of those horses that he's kind of a little one pace type, a little kind of, you know, his mile races, the pace figures were never that fast, but he just kind of galloped around there. Maybe getting that extra half furlong is going to help. So I'm going to use Scottish star and I'm going to use poppy flower and I'm going to try to beat bubble rock because I've just never been a bubble rock guy. Well, to your point about Scottish star, we talked a lot about how, you know, not all cutbacks, not all turnbacks are creative equal created equal. And I think it's very hard to turn back uh, often to those five and five and a half really sharp turf sprints and just this slightly more 
for lack of a better word, even though it's an aqueduct. I think it's a much better thing to say the more galloping six furlong sprint at Belmont than aqueduct. But still, that extra ground, I think, is going to help a horse who's sort of caught in between distance-wise. So I didn't come up with Scottish Star, but I'm buying your case and interested in putting on the back line. I'm going to go ahead and pick Bubble Rock in here. I mean, I think maybe some of what you're, some of what you're maybe not liking is this is a horse who has had some pretty good trips and, and managed to find, well, managed to find roses for Deborah better uh, on the last two occasions. But I just think this is going to be a really easy trip to uh, out there with maybe a runner like Shoshana, um, who's going to probably show speed, but maybe Franco rides like Shoshana's not even in the race and gets an absolutely perfect trip. I'll, use poppy flower as well. I'm I'm not going to, I'm just trying to survive and advance in here. Nothing clever for me in race number four, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Two, five for JK one, five uh, uncreatively for me, as we get to our last of these Belmont at aqueduct races, which is a two-year-old maiden special weight going a mile and a 16th for these fillies on the turf. Hopefully we get to stay on the turf in here. When it comes to the early pick five, JK, how are we going to get paid? Yeah, I mean, it, let's see what happens weather-wise. Um, you know, this is a race where I, I feel like I've been able to be a little bit more skitty uh, throughout, and, and this is just one where you feel like, you know, if, if you're going to really give it a, an honest swing, you got to spread a little bit. Uh, I'm going to use, uh, starting kind of towards the outside, I'm going to use the two first-time starters for Chad, uh, the nine and the six, the nine public assembly, the six dynamic pricing it's just, you know, when you have these types of horses, it, it, it's hard um, to, to ignore them. You know, they, they just always seem to run well. The seven past tenth for Anthony Dutro uh, is another one that I'll use. Um, just the, the, the go zapper, the, the long work tab looking to, to, to get into the mix. And then um, you got to make some decisions with these with these Christoph Clement runners. Um, I, I'm going to use the one that Dylan's riding, the four style points. Um I don't necessarily need uh, the channel loop. Uh, you know, this one. What do you make of cars. Silvera? <clears throat> I don't, I can't recall Silvera riding for Clement. And I know a lot of people are out of town today with the Keeneland going on, but what do you make of sometimes when I see a jockey booking that unusual, I, I almost throw them. I want to throw them in if I can, just cause it's so weird. It makes me wonder if there's like a story there, but you seem to be unconvinced. Well, he's used Ruben, if I'm not mistaken, once in the last year, and they won. Interesting. That's funny. But I don't. I think that's more circumstantial. I don't think it's like, oh, when he's got a good one, he's putting Ruben on. Right, no, I just no. think that he won with Ruben one time, so now all the guys are out of town. And he said, hey, I'm one for one for you. Okay, yeah, you can hop on. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and the other one and I was going to... I want to use Cherie DeVoe on the inside for uh, well, Arrogate for Marty Schwartz. I, like I said, this is a spready race for me without workout reports, without... It's just, you know, there, you know the, the one doesn't have... the There hasn't been a sibling that ran yet, so what are you going to do there? Um, the four, there there is a sibling that's run well on the turf. Yeah, that's the one I like. With, with Chad's horses, you got a European sire with a European mare with no you know, that you don't have anything there with, with the six dynamic pricing and also the same public assembly. I mean, it, it's, it's really just a crap shoot where you're, you're guessing because you don't have enough information to make a decision. My guess was going to be four and six in here. Uh, style points, as you mentioned, has that pedigree power. Uh, I love these Oscar performances and, you know, Dylan turning up here feels significant. And with the, the, the one coming out of the Tattersall sale, the night of thunder, uh, one called dynamic pricing just sounded to me, like like a Chad that might offer a little bit of value. Look, if I can spread deeper, I don't mind 
any of the ones you mentioned, they all go with a chance. But I felt okay giving a little bit of a push to the four and the six to close things out in our early pick five at Belmont, which brings us to uh, our other racetrack we're going to talk about, Keeneland. I'll be there in person. Really excited to uh, get back down there this weekend. Already have plans to see uh, to see a lot of friends, and that's going to be a, you know a blast as always. But uh, in terms of races we're going to talk about, we're going to start off with Saturday, and we'll go right to race number five, where we've got a $100,000 maiden special weight for Phillies and Mares going a mile and an eighth on the turf. Useful race to uh, start thinking about what our figures are going to look like for the QE2 coming up. How do you want to get this thing started, my friend? Yeah, I only need a 239, the two Cat Mint, um, who ran well at, at Churchill going the nine furlongs, and uh, got a nice pace figure. You get Brad Cox, get Florent Giroux. Oh, I thought that horse ran well. The three Zipadoo for Graham Motion, who ran down at Colonial, um, going the mile, steps up a little bit. But the pace was fast that day. This horse was close, was bet, had Lasix for the first time. Another one who I think, uh, you know, could run extremely well. And then the nine, Heckled, yep, heckled. Uh, for, for Stidham, who, who ran at Kentucky Downs. And the way that Kentucky Downs works, you know, first of all, this horse was closing on a slow pace, which is something I love. And then, you know, that, that kind of uphill finish going the mile, I, that gives me no concern about the nine furlongs. Source ran well going nine furlongs at Colonial as well. So um, Heckle's my top choice in here, but I'll, I'll use all three of them in this wager. How do you typically approach the, 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 the turf pick three? Do you have any advice on, on or, or is it more the kind of thing where every case is different and you just come up with tickets to match what you're seeing on the day? I mean, if you can single, it's, it's, if you can single, it's always, it's always, uh, you know, a nice little weapon, especially just because of the, the, the minimum, the, the higher minimum. But no, I mean, it, it's treated like any other sequence. You know, if you have an opinion, don't play it just to play it. Um, try to try to stand on something. I really like uh, the three zip in here. Second off this long layoff has speed, probably moved a little bit too early the last day as well and might be able to get loose in this spot. I was going to press that one up. No issues at all with the two or the nine. But for me, the three was the one that I wanted to, to latch on to. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's a lot of, a lot of more classic ABC methods, but since you can, it's just, you don't end up with that many lines because it's a pick three. So then you can go back very, what I love about this bet is you can go very carefully back and look at each combination you're playing and really weight it according to your opinion. So if it's your, you know, you have a value type B, you can make sure you're going to have that almost as much as an A, essentially. So you you can, there's a lot of little things you can do when it comes to the altar of pick three that I do think puts a little bit of hand, uh, power in the hand of the better that I, that I really like. Let's move to the middle leg, and I like this race. Race number seven is an allowance. We're going a mile and a half on the turf, um, open, big full field, and... I just love these mile and a half races, JK, because I think that you can really put some pedigree knowledge to use and you can find some horses at great prices. And I like horses here that are 15 and 20 to one. Uh, we'll start off with you. How did you see it? Yeah, this is a, this is a, uh, uh, a single, this is a single for me. I'm going to single the inside horse, the one nine eleven turbo. And I, I, you know, people who listen to these airwaves for the last, gosh, how many years this has been, 
Um, we, I guess it's been these airwaves since 2019, but there's yeah. been previous airwaves for years <laughs> before that. So you can believe it. Right along, but was the first years. You probably weren't on till 16, but it's it's been a minute. Uh, I think 15 was probably my first time jumping on. Yes, that sounds right. But yeah. Anyways, um, I hate West Coast turf courses, horses coming east. I just, they just don't ever run as well. But 911 Turbo has tactical speed, is drawn inside, and has a rider who I think is the best probably forward place, forwardly placed rider on the turf um, in the country in Flavian Pratt. Also, this horse is getting Lasix. There's just a lot of things to like about 911 Turbo and all the other horses. The main horse I liked outside of this horse was a 12. And how is that horse not going to go wide on all three turns? I, I just, I, I love the 911 Turbo situation in here. And all single, it's a single A in this sequence. I get it. And I'm certainly going to have some tickets alive with 911 Turbo with prices and or pressed enough to the horses I really love in the other races. But let me give you my long shots in here. Starting with number three, Kitten Mischief, who I just think is absolutely bred to do this mile and a half. The dam was a stakes winner, I think, at Keeneland uh, going a mile and a half. Certainly turf blood all the way around. Plenty of speed, um, or at least enough speed from the Into Mischief side that I don't think uh, I really don't think we're going to be dead last like the, the pace projector has with this four-year-old gelding. I just think this is a horse who has license to run a lot better um, than what we've seen. I think might take after the dam, certainly takes after the dam side, if I'm right, much more than the than the sire side. Giroux and Jonathan Thomas, 15 to 1 on the morning line. I also have an angle I often pull out with number 10, Quadra Island, which is the runners that get onto the new surface and improve and then keep on improving. And believe me, Quadra Island's going to have to improve based on the figure last out. But it was a slow pace, closed well. I like the idea. Cox sending this one even longer makes me think this one's, uh, you know, a bit more uh, a bit more kitten's joy than unbridled song, shall we say, looking at each side of that pedigree. Second time as a gelding. I just think this might be a new horse that can get some stuff done. Don't mind the idea of the 12 if uh, microphone should somehow be able to trip out the kind of thing where, the hope there, JK, would be that I'm getting compensated. I agree. How's the horse not going to have a bad trip? But because of the post, I think you're going to probably see 10 to 1 potentially rather than 6 to 1. And so with that in mind, I'll, uh, I'll roll the dice. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a very good shot of hitting this thing if we can get the 3 or the 10 in. And I won't have it for much more than the minimum to, to most combinations. But I don't think you'll need it for much more because I think those both have the potential to light up the turf board in that allowance race which brings us to the featured race of the day the race that gives the day its name as it were it's the qe2 grade one action for these three-year-olds going a mile and eighth and as you mentioned we got a lot of uh international participation here so we do you want to start with a chat about those horses or do you want to dive right into your opinion yeah why don't you why don't you uh share with us a little bit about the euros i mean i'm going to pick a couple of them um, I'm going to use a couple of them. Excuse me. So, so if you want to, to, to lay it all out there and then I can, I can swoop in with my American horse that I like as well. I like it. So what, where, what, what I'm going to do is I'll probably quote from my at the races.com article. You can get my full analysis of this race and many races going to be doing all of the breeders cup races for them as well. Horse by horse going to have a lot of writing that week. JK, um, uh, might have some carpal tunnel that you need to, uh, you, you need to coach me through. Uh, but, but We'll start off with a horse that is hopefully going to be running in the Breeders' Cup mile. That's Marge. This is a horse with the best form and figures. To me, the most likely winner. 
Time away, and this is a funny one for time away, right? Because you look at a horse running huge figures like this one did six months ago, and on one hand, you could say, well, geez, if she's improved, she's going to bury these. But then you could also say, hey, six months away, is she going to be ready to fire her best shot? Saeed bin Soror has excellent numbers off these kind of layoffs. Um, very, very hard one to price up. Some people might say, hey, what about the distance? I really see no issue there. If you're getting home, going a straight mile at Newmarket, you're getting two turns at Keeneland has to be included, but do I want to trust at a short price? Maybe not fully. Um, Lindy, the six runner, already ran in the U.S. at Kentucky Downs, and this might be one where I'm going to take that view of Kentucky Downs is so different and so much its own thing. Like, let's see if Lindy is as good around the around the traditional oval. Would I want on some tickets in a bet like the pick five or the pick six? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think this is a six or eight to one shot that's going to probably be six or eight to one. I don't see any great value, but certainly one that goes with a big chance. Sounds of Heaven, the seven runner, I really like. A Glen Hill farm runner, I got to see run at Ascot. Just tossed the last race in France. The ground was very soft. She was running into a headwind, and those were really, really good horses. If you go back to that run in the coronation, very, very good. And you see how close she was to Tahira in there, and you see how close Tahira and Maj were uh, previously. You, you've got a horse that on a, you know, collaterally on a line of form is within like a length of mage. And meanwhile, this one, who also has a good left-handed run over decent ground, could be 10 to 1 in here. Could be 8 to 1 in here. Sounds of heaven, I feel like, um, seems like the value of the race. And then while we're talking yours, we got to talk about Alounda Queen. Very, very good race last time. Coming from last into a slow pace. Has that left-handed win, something I'm always talking about. Um, you know, maybe too far back. That's my only thing. Hey, if the price is big enough, I would absolutely get involved for the pick three. We're not going to really know. Might be one I would throw in um, as sort of a backup if I could. But mainly what I'm going to do wagering wise in this spot, JK, is press Maj and and Sounds of Heaven and hope that one of them wins for the pick three. And maybe I'll go back and do something spreadier, including all of those other Euros in case, you know, in that idea that maybe one gets lost in the betting goes off at, at too big a price and could be an overlay in a bet like the Alter pick three because it's such a different kind of market. But yeah, in the main, I'm liking Maj and I'm liking Sounds of Heaven. Four, seven, actually, I'll do it seven, four to the hoop for me in the QE2. Who's the USA horse you like? Uh, well, I'm going to use the two and the four, uh, elusive princess and the four, uh, Maj. Like, you know, I, I, I understand that this horse is coming in off a little bit of a break, but if you look at the past performances, um, which I switched to Belmont, why, why, let me, let me see why I switched to, let me blame you for a reason. I switched <laughs> to Belmont on Timeform US to see if, if Ruben Silvera had won a race for Kristoff. So now... Oh. Everyone who's listening has to wait for me to go back to Keeneland so that I can tell you. I skipped the Lucy Princess. I should have talked about her as as one as as a Euro, right? With only the one uh, Saratoga. Yeah, well, she ran well. I mean, we know who she is. We got a. We have a. I think a lot of times when, in that situation, the 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 reason I I I the reason it's hard for me to judge European horses is because I am a speed figure guy. So when I don't have an American figure to use in comparison it's hard for me to realize is this a hundred figure horse or an 80 figure horse you know who she is because we have a figure for her so like i don't even like my brain doesn't need that as much help as i would normally need with a european a, a, a major a, a, a predominantly european runner 
For me, the issue with Elusive Princess is just beautiful setup, weird, weird, boggy turf. And if you remember, wasn't that one of those, like a big, bold move, like way down the center? It just looked like weird form. I want to see her do it again in a more traditional USA configuration. And no, I, I, I get that. And like I said, I'm going to use her. I'm going to use the four Maj. Maj uh, one going seven furlongs on soft ground uh, off of a 125 day layoff. Yep. This horse is coming in off 160 days now. Um, and then also one of my favorite races to look at when you're trying to identify if a horse will run well fresh, there's no longer layoff in racing. Well, I guess it could get longer, but that's wild. Then your first time starter. Yep. You know, that's a, it's coming in off of a, off of a two year layoff essentially. Um, and, and she won first out there. So she runs well fresh and we know that. And so I, I don't have any issues with that, but look, I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to use Lindy as well. I'm going to use the six Lindy. Um, it, it's funny. I, I, you know, I don't often like try to like, I don't want to embarrass people like connections when they like say they like their horse because often what'll happen, you know, is like, like for instance, with ways and means when, when, when Chad was saying, this is one of the fastest turf uh, dirt horses I've trained in my 16 year career. He told me that before, but I didn't want to, it's like, you don't want to say that because if the horse gets beat, he looks like an asshole. And then I put him in that position. Right. right. Um, and, and so you just want to just try to be that you like the horse and try to get it out there. But I, I think Brendan, not that Brendan said this is the fastest horse he ever trained. I do think Brendan likes Lindy. And I think he's pretty confident that this is a really nice horse, a top class horse. And based off of one North American race at Kentucky Downs, I completely understand your point, Pete, of you, you have to lean one way or the other. You, you can't just take it for face value when you have a race like this at Kentucky Downs. You either say, I don't believe it, or there's more. And I'm just going to go on the other side of it. I don't think your side is necessarily the wrong side to go. I'm just saying I think that this horse is going to take another step forward. And I do believe that this horse ran well last time. So I'm going to use uh, those those three, two, four, and four six. To close it out. Hopefully we, we get all the money with this pick three. Hopefully we get lucky with the weather in New York, JK. I'm going to be doing some reports from Keeneland, uh, hopefully working with their social team and doing some fun stuff down there. Folks can catch you on TV this weekend. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm supposed to, man, the, 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 the damn Orioles. They pissed ah. me off. I was supposed, I was I'm supposed so to. What, what this is huh? about because I had no idea you even knew who, I, I didn't think you could name an Oriole. So what, what do you, what, oh, I can't name an Oriole. I can just name the Orioles. So okay. here's the problem. I, you know, usually my shifts are like three hours, right? It's Saratoga. Sometimes you can be like three and a half, but mostly three hours. And I know that you are not feeling sorry for me because you have. Oh my God, I'm already rolling my eyes. I'm never on for for less than five. And I'm talking the whole time. I don't get, you know, 20 minute coffee breaks. (laughs) So I get a, I get a, Eric Donovan, our, our, you know, kind of our, our second in charge at, at Naira and TV and stuff. He sends me an email Friday. 1230 to 230. I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Two hours. That's perfect. And then he sends another email like a day later. He goes, well, they have more time for us on FS one because the Rangers won the series. And so it, your, your, your new time is now one fifty to five. It's like, <laughs> that does. 
Oh, that's really funny. No, I, 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 I actually have a little bit of sympathy for that. That's that's no, that's it's fine. It's it's but but anyways, yeah, the Orioles they piss me off. Um, yeah, well, but yeah, so I'm on I'm on Friday. I think we have a. I, I don't know the details, so don't. But there's like an abbreviated show on Saturday. I don't know if it's because of college football or college football and baseball or whatever. So I'm not on on Saturday, which works out because I have a wedding to go to, and then I'm on air on Sunday wedding to go to that they, they were cutting it close to having a breeder's cup wedding I, I just assume you would have had to not turn up them oh you, you get married on derby day <laughs> belmont day or breeder's cup your boy's not going to be there <laughs> saturday at saratoga do you would you wipe those eight out yeah, too? no shot i did go to a sunday saratoga wedding this summer well, that's civilized. That's 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 totally yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was. It started a little early, but you I mean just for the for the timing of of racing? But yeah, Sunday it was Travers weekend, which was you know Sunday was a recovery day for most. Yeah, but I was at a wedding, pounding uh, vodka sodas. <laughs> JK can't wait to get a chance to hang out with you in person in just a few weeks time. Uh, we got. Left we got to get, I, I was just thinking we got, we got time. We got like nine minutes till we have to do our other thing. I, I have not been to Santa Anita or the Eddie Logan since the first week of March in 2020, oh, which God. was oh, the God. next week is when the world shut down. No, that's insane. I have How not been happened for three years. It, it is the craziest part about it is, is like for a lot of people, I think a lot of people thought I lived in California because I was at Santa Anita so much every weekend. Yeah. And I have, I haven't been, I haven't been since then. So I'm, I I was texting with TQ and and Nate and, uh, and, and Chappie today. I'm, I'm just, I don't remember the code to the Eddie Logan. I hope they still give it (laughs) me. I hope I can still get, I'm just, I can't, I'm just fired up. I can't wait to show G's father too. He's never seen, he's never been to Santa Anita, let alone walking onto the apron and seeing the mountains, but then also hanging out in the Eddie Logan. It's going to, it's going to be fun. No, they're going to they're going to dig it. But here's the only problem with the Eddie Logan. It, often that's given out to like other corporate interests. I don't know. That oh, no, of course. It. I'm a Thursday. I'm a Thursday Eddie Logan guy. And then okay, Friday, Thursday, Saturday, I'll do for myself. But Thursday, Thursday, Eddie Logan guy. Thursday, we'll get in there. We'll check it out. I, I'm excited, man. It's going to be great. Wherever we end up, there's no bad place to watch the races at Santa Anita. Uh, come check us out. We're doing Horse Player Happy Hour. You can catch uh, that replay by the time you're listening to this. It will have already happened. Join us next week for another one of our qualifiers on there. 100 and, oh boy, I forgot the number. 189 bucks. The VIG goes to Equine Aftercare, and you get a chance to win your way into the BCBC. Follow along with our playoffs. We're down to 40. After today, we're going to have 20. That's going to continue along until we have just one who wins a BCBC seat there. Horse Player Happy Hour. A lot of fun. And these shows... You know, today we actually have four races, so there's going to be a lot of talking about races that have already happened if you watch the replay. But a lot of weeks we have two races, and we do a lot of like cool, much more evergreen content. If you love our act, these are shows that are worth checking out. You can't get them as pods. You'd have to watch them on YouTube, but a lot of people do that anyway. So check that out. Stick with us. We're going to go to a break and be back with much more of the Players Podcast right after this. One more reminder about the great experience I've had as an owner with Adelphi Racing Club. It's been a terrific year so far, led by Adelphi's graded stakes place, New York, Bread Philly, Funny How, and more good stuff 
is looking to come down the pike before the year is over. There's never been a better time to become an Adelphi partner if you're looking for a collaborative horse ownership experience that offers a fiscally sustainable approach to horse ownership. Adelphi Racing is the right fit for you, and you are going to learn so much about horse racing throughout the process. Contact us today to get a taste of the Adelphi experience. You can check out the website, AdelphiRacing.com, or reach out directly to Matt Kater, Matt at AdelphiRacing.com. You can also follow along on social, on Insta, at Adelphi underscore racing, and on X, at Adelphi Club. Next up on the show, it's our weekly JRA segment, and to talk about the JRA racing action Saturday night into Sunday with me, and maybe a couple of other topics as well, we bring them back from Woodbine, Klaus Ebner. Klaus, how are things, first and foremost? Good, Pete. How's it going? Things are good, man. I'm really excited. We are on the cusp of this Breeders' Cup season, and it sure sounds like, by all known information, that we're going to have more Japanese Raiders than ever before coming to these shores. And I can guarantee, folks, you're going to get a ton of great information between now and the big day because of this JRA in the money partnership. We'll surely bring in Michael Adolfson to get his thoughts. But as a big JRA fan, big fan of international racing, I would imagine you're pretty pumped at the moment. Yeah, very pumped, especially when I, when I can see who's actually coming over from Japan with all of them to have very solid chances in each of the races they're aiming for, you know, especially, you know, you don't usually think of Japanese horses, especially on the dirt, but, you know, when we had Marshall and Raymond in the distaff, I think a lot of eyes turned that day, and they've continued to show now on the world stage with Ushba Tesoro winning the Dubai World Cup that, you know what, not only are they dangerous on the turf, but they're also dangerous on the dirt, too, so, yeah. Yeah, and we've seen it in Saudi, too, right? I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that they're likely to win at least one race. I asked Michael Adolfson, uh, what he thought, you know, when he, he had a tweet about the likely horses competing, and I essentially asked him for an over under, and he was like, something to the effect of, I think they'll win two, they could win five, which sounded yeah. extraordinary to me. But boy, from what we've seen on the international stage, could you really put it past them? I, I'm going to be looking long and hard at all of these contenders as we get closer. And I think we should do a special show as well, not unlike the one we did for the Japanese runners ahead of the Derby that was extremely popular on YouTube. Yeah, and it was it's funny we mentioned that because there was one horse, Lemon Pop, he ran the in the February stakes in February, you know, didn't have that much luck going six for much luck going six furlongs in Dubai. But it's interesting. We actually had his trainer up here at Woodbine for the international on the weekend. So, you know, he's kind of looking at. Um, he was in. He was in uh, Santina before he, he he flew up to Woodbine. So, I think he's possibly looking at Lemon Pop as well for the Dirt Mile, which is interesting. Uh, and then he also has some other very sneakily good uh, up and coming horses as well in his barn. So, yeah, I just think that we could it could be coming from all all over Japan uh, to invade eventually in in terms of the Breeders' Cup this year. One general thought I'll share as a, just a precept, and this is something that actually came up in one of the YouTube videos we did this week, the one with Jessica Paquette, where we were talking about horses we're really looking forward to see. And I mentioned Ushba Tesoro and just made the point, which I think is a great one, about how different the breeding is in Japan, where mm -hmm. there's still plenty of speed, but the whole program is really geared towards stamina much more so than ours and we see that klaus in the way that the you know how you have these all these three-year-old maiden races going longer than a mile and all this stuff and that's just one thing i'm going to look at 
with these Japanese Raiders, generally speaking, especially on the dirt, is which ones are turning up in a situation where that stamina could really come into play? And, and that's just an idea I'm going to have in the back of my head as we study the form. And as I said, we'll get deep into all of it. But just from this far out, just, just one little preview maybe of the content we're going to be having coming up. Is there one horse in particular you are really looking forward to seeing of the, of the, the star-studded contingent that will be making their way to our shores? Yeah, for, for me, it's actually Songline in the Breeders' Cup Mile. That's the filly that I just, she loves a mile. She has an explosive turn of foot. You know, she ran her prep race this past weekend for the Breeders' Cup Mile. Didn't win, but she was closing into it very strongly. So I think it sets her up perfectly for the race. And again, I, I just think the mile hits her right between the eyes. Uh, I, I'm not sure who's coming over yet for from the Europeans. Uh, I know we saw, you know, up to the mark, raced very well against uh, Master of the Seas last weekend in, in Keeneland. I spoke to Charlie, who said, probably not going to be saying Master of the Seas. So that's one last competitor, I believe, that would you know be one of the challengers for the mile. And then you know, I guess there's rumors of Todd aiming up to the mark for the turf. So, you know, with those two, I'm not going to call them monsters, but with those two special horses not possibly running in the race, you know, it could be a lot more wide open. And, and, and I, I don't think there's any, in my opinion, any world beaters from from Europe right now that are be aiming for the Breeders' Cup mile. So I think for me, that's really the one that I'm sort of focusing on right now. And, and you know, provided she gets a good draw, I, I, I'll be all in with her. I get it. And, you know, this isn't some, this is a, this is years worth of plan coming together. Songline was rumored to be coming last year, right? And just had some sort of minor, minor setback. In yep. terms of the possibles, there's a lot of horses listed in the betting who uh, I guess the one that I'd be the most interested of of the possible Euros right now would be Paddington, who wouldn't necessarily go in the mile if he if he were to come over, but probably that would be where they would where they would ultimately aim. And certainly incredible talent there. Um, and then we're going to learn more. Uh, we'll we'll learn a lot more this weekend too in in a race like the QE2 where Marge is competing. Get a sense of how uh, of how Marge how she fits. But yeah, it's uh, things look really good for Songline from this far out. But you're really here to talk not about the Breeders' Cup. As we said, plenty more of that coming down the pike. But let's look ahead to this Saturday night into Sunday morning where we'll have the opportunity to bet on some of these Japanese runners in their native land. Certainly, and we actually have a special, possible special occasion on Saturday into Sunday, and that's a chance to have a Triple Tierra winner in the form of Liberty Island. So this is the Shuka Show. This is the last jewel in the Phillies Triple Crown, if you will, in Japan. And, you know, Liberty Island's done nothing but impress so far. You know, there's even, if you look at the market right now for the Japan Cup, which is kind of the goal, they, they have kind of, you know, they kind of pre-planned her schedule already after this race, this race already and said, you know, it'll probably be the Japan Cup against Equinox as her next start, provided she wins on Sunday. So, you know, Liberty Island, in my opinion, she's she's the real deal. Uh, you know, yeah. she, she won the last race being the Oaks, at, again, mile and a half at Tokyo. Uh, Yuga Kawada, you know, she's four for five on her career, has done very little wrong. So, you know, she's gone from strength to strength, uh, two-year-old champ, again, won the thousand guineas, then came back with the Oaks win and last start. Uh, you know, she, she won her last race by six lengths, Pete, in terms of the Oaks. You, you don't usually see a horse do that in, in Japan in terms of that kind of devastation, as I would call it. Like she won it geared down, uh, very impressive. And again, I, I think if, you know, for those that kind of follow Japanese racing or worldwide racing on a whole, you know, if you want to compare her to a previous sort of super fillies in Japan, you could look at the likes of an Almondai, 
again, not going to put her in that category yet, but, you know, we could, could be putting her in the, in the same breath as, as an Almond Eye or a Gentle Donna or a Buena Vista type. So, you know, that's all impressive company. Those all those all those uh, Phillies and Mares went on to defeat the boys in numerous opportunities. So I, I just think that she's the real deal. And uh, on the weekend, yes, I, I, there certainly are other horses in the race to look at, but uh, yeah, chalky weasel for me. I'll probably be just being, you know, Liberty Liberty Island on on top of the super high five uh, wager that we have in the race, Pete, and, and hope I can catch some bombs underneath. You know, there are obviously, you know, we we, we have to look at the race on, on a whole. There, um, you know, there are some horses in the race that I, I think you know deserve a bit of a look, and, and some that are coming into the race uh, in, in in kind of sneakily good form, if you will. Um, and, and you know, for for me, one that kind of uh, interests me is is a horse called Moriana. Uh, so Moriana, uh, she's one to kind of just I think this she's a little bit of a sneaky horse. She has a really good pedigree, being by Epiphania, uh out of a Daiwa Major mare uh, last race out. She raced in the Shion Stakes, which is kind of one of the preps for this race. Uh, ran a really good time, one fifty eight for the the mile and a quarter, which is the same distance as as it is on Sunday. And I just think that, you know, it just for me, I'll just be looking for one that's a little bit more on the improve that, you know, I think could do something. And, and again, this one did it very well last time when, when stepping up um, to the mile and a quarter distance. You know, if you're looking for other ones as well, you can look at a horse called Dura. Dura was a, uh, you know, third place finisher in the Oaks. Um, you know, she, she did have a win in the Queen Stakes in Sapporo. And, you know, she, she will be charging late. Just, again, I, I just not sure she's good enough for the, for these, these in here, but I, I think she will be closing. So, you know, again, there, there's a few in here. I, I think deserve a shot, but for me, I think I'll be primarily, like I said, focused all around Liberty Island and I'll sprinkle in a little bit of uh, Moriana and, and Dura and then on the back end of my uh, exotics for, for, for Saturday. Since you mentioned the super high five, I'll make you mention two more that you think can hit the board. Maybe something at a price for the fourth and fifth spots, or you know, you could just name check a couple as well. But I do like I do like that idea, and I know you're loath to give out a favorite. I figure maybe you'll feel <laughs> more, more fulfilled if you can give out the whole super high five. Yeah, um, you know, in terms of other horses that I'd probably be looking on the back end, there's a horse called Hip Hop Soul. Uh, she she's one actually that Moriana beat um, in the uh, in the Shion Stakes last time out, so I'll probably use her. You know she is by Kitasan Black. Kitasan Black, the same sire as Equinox. Uh, Kitasan Black horses seem to, in my opinion, uh, they seem to develop a lot later. So she is, uh, in my opinion, a late developing filly. She has a bit of a spotty record. You know she finished sixth in the Oaks, uh, did have a second in the Flower Cup uh, back in March in the lead up to the Oaks. Uh, but again, I think she put in a pretty valiant effort last time out to Moriana, only only losing by a half length. So again, I'll use her a little bit. Uh, and again, as I mentioned before, there's another horse called Harper, who's uh, you know bred to go this long, second place finisher in the Oaks. So again, if if anything, I'll probably be using a little bit of Harper in uh, Hip Hop Soul in the back end as well. And what price would you guess we're going to be getting on uh, on Liberty Island here? Ooh, wow! You know what, Peachy may actually be one to nine on on Saturday or something. That's just how how strong I think she is. Um, so, uh, like I said before, uh, I, I hate being a chalking weasel, but when you have a filly of this caliber and this quality against this field, again, I'm not saying she she can't lose on, on Sunday or Saturday, but I just feel that she she has this field over the barrel, unfortunately. 
The phrase I like to use in that situation class is, if it wasn't horse racing, you'd say she couldn't lose. <laughs> That's my little out that I thought I could say, say things like that and cover my tail just a little bit. I mean, and hey, when you're mentioning, being mentioned in the same company as Almond Eye, which leads me to a digression that I'll, I'll share with you for our last, we'll run a little long and I'll share this digression with you that I know you'll appreciate. So the first of the Japanese plushies that you ever got for me that I was then able to deliver into into parents' hands was an almond eye plushie, which reminds me, of course, of the one that was the biggest hit of all when the Sadashi Idol plushie arrived. <laughs> By the way, I was nervous telling Perrin the news of Sadashi's retirement, and she was sad a little bit. Oh, we'll never get to see a race. And then it took a few minutes, and she's been getting really into the breeding side of things, as I've mentioned to people um, you know, throughout the year, and we've talked about it in these airways. And she said, oh, I wonder if she'll have a bunch of little white foals. <laughs> <laughs> But the other part of the tangent is there was nearly a tragedy. The Sadashi plushie is so popular. She has become, there's a real hierarchy in parents' stuffy world. I don't know how many of them there are, but it's dozens. And uh, there are just an elite few, two or three, that get to form the the traveling squad, as it were. And Sadashi, uh, this is unheard of, class, immediately from arrival in the house to making the traveling squad instantaneous. Didn't have to go through the whole rigmarole that most of the, the stuffies do. Uh, but we realized the, the the potential perils of bringing a nearly white stuffed animal on a trip to a hotel room nearly left, blended perfectly into her bedsheets and was nearly left at a random hotel in Baltimore. But Whoa. we did the old, let's take one more look and make sure we didn't leave anything. And Perrin found her. Uh, and and, and so, so she's safe because that was not going to be a conversation I wanted to have with you when I told you how, how we lost this, <laughs> this precious stuffy that you got for us. But no, Sadashi, back here, safe and sound. How has the news of her uh, retirement been taken in the, in the Japanese racing world? I, I assume it made some waves. It did make some, make some waves. Um, but, you know, I, as well with that being said, I think, I think uh, unfortunately, you know, she, she, she always had that kind of magic about her. But once she started losing a few races, some of the luster wore off, in, in my opinion. Sure. Um, you know, that, that magic wore off, as, as, it, as it does for a lot of, you know, talented horses that just unfortunately find a few too tough in their career. But, you know, I, I just think that more people are now just kind of saying, hey, to your, to your point about, you know, her, her whole entire family line has a you know, series of um, of white or speckled horses. Uh, it's also funny we, we mentioned Sodashi because her full sister won the Sprinter Stakes uh, a couple weeks ago, and she's she's brown. So <laughs> I know Nick Tamaro was kind of asking that question too when we had that, that this cock. He's like, well, is her full sister white? And I said, no, she's brown. So yeah, um, so, yeah. so so we're certainly hope that Sodashi can continue on with uh, having the, uh, the the unicorn lifestyle in, in her retirement. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm also happy that the Sodashi, the plushie went from uh, maiden stakes winner to uh, grade one winner right, right off the bat in, in the plushie hierarchy. I'll share that with Perrin. She'll appreciate it. In, in all seriousness, what are Sadashi's prospects as a broodmare? You'd think fantastic with not yes. only her accomplishments, but also, you know, continuing to get uh, black type throughout the family. Yeah. And just the fact that, you know, I, I'm going to go off the top of my head here, but um, you know, she, she was by Kuro Funi, I believe, which is uh, a good outcross to deep impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that in terms of pedigree wise, she mixes well with the, the Sunday silence horses. Um, so, you know, just give me a second. I'm just going to obviously do the old quick on the fly. So that she yes. pedigree look up here. Um, but, uh, you know, I think in terms of pedigree wise, she matches very well with, 
you know, what's out there in terms of sires and, and what's available. So, yeah, I, I it's just, I think the sky's the limit. She, you know, she has the right people. Uh, you know, the Makoto family is, is very good with, uh, with breeding the best of the best as well. We see numerous horses there uh, on that line. And uh, yeah, she's by Kurofuni out of a, uh, a King Kamehameha mare. So we don't see very much of the, uh, of the Sunday Silence blood in there. So I, I think she'd be fine. <laughs> to mix with some of the uh, the Sunday Silence horses, which is really good. No, oh, that's extremely important, as we as we know, the biggest farms in the world. They're making huge decisions based on just trying to find the right crosses for the for the mares available or stallions. In this case, we'll see how it plays out someday. I know uh, I'm going to we're going to be planning a family trip to Japan, and we're, somebody's going to be uh, requesting to go see uh, Sadashi on the farm. Never easy to go see those uh, famous brood mares, but we'll see. We'll see what strings we can pull in a few years' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and again, so just just let me know, Pete, because I, I know that's, uh, sorry for going off the tangent here, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably heading to Japan in, in February of next year for a couple oh, of weeks. Kind of, uh, that's my plan as well, just to hopefully head to the breeding farms and see some of the uh, top sires that are out there. You, so you can scout, you can scout for us. Yeah, my Japan trip, it's still, it's one of the hardest things to figure out how in one, because I probably can't do everything I want to, I sh- surely can't do everything I want to do in one trip, but it's hard between the, between my, my baseball, wrestling, whiskey and horse interest to figure out the, the right time to go. It's going to, it's, it's going to be a logistical project to put it all together, but I'll learn from your uh, experience in February. That's very, very cool. We'll I'll be very eager to talk to you about that when, when you get back. All right, class, I'm going to let you get on with your day. I've got another uh, segment to record here. So uh, we will be talking soon, my friend. Thanks so much, Pete. Have a great day. One thing I will throw in before we officially close the segment is for much more about these JRE races, Saturday night into Sunday, check out inthemoneypodcast.com info from Klaus and the team, including past performances. So uh, you can stay up late and play. And even if you don't stay up and play, make sure you wake up in the morning and uh, check uh, social media, check uh, the web and get the results of, uh, of that big one. Could be some very exciting, uh, bordering on historic stuff happening Saturday night into Sunday in the JRA. Next up on the show, our Woodbine expert. You know him as that. You know him as a man who's been putting in some good time on a horse player happy hour this year. We've been able to let him off a little bit lately with everything we've had uh, going on, all the special guests and stuff. Not that he's not special. You know what I mean. But he's also a guy we turn to uh, when we talk Breeders' Cup betting challenge because he's your reigning champion in that event. Drew Cotney, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just up here in Michigan uh, getting ready for a little anniversary trip uh, celebrating six years. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, will not be playing, uh, even though it kills me to not be playing at Keeneland. So. I'll be there. I'll be there representing, hanging out. Hopefully we'll have some uh, in the money people. Please, if you see me, come and say hi at Keeneland. Always great to hear from from the in the money faithful out there. Before we look forward today, Drew, to this very good card at Woodbine on Saturday, let's look back. I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the most impressive performances you saw from uh, Canadian International Day last Sunday. I imagine, well, I don't know, where, where would you start if I just throw it open to you? Yeah, I I mean, what sticks out to me is the Fever Over uh, race, um, a horse that I really like. And, you know, Moira got the best of um, Fev last time and really ran a big figure. And I think my stance was Moira's going to have to show it to me one more time before I'm going to trust in that horse. I think horse. you said that. I think you said that on these airwaves. 
Yeah, and uh, I I just didn't uh, did, didn't have the confidence, and that that turned out right. And uh, Favreau got to back to doing what uh, what that horse does best, and it's just kind of stalking, pressing the pace, and then kicking on well. And I thought it was a fascinating ride um, where. I'm actually pulling up the PPs to, to make sure I have the jockey right to give credit where credit is due. Um, but that uh, stall of five for a second. Castellano, right. And I think I even mentioned Castellano's type of patient riding works great for this type of horse. He took back around the turn. Um, he had two 20 to one shots up in front, took back uh, to give up the rail and the lead, knowing I, I'm guessing Fevrover likes to have a target. Um, as as turning for home and just blew by him and then held off with the moonlight and Moira as well. So I thought Fev did a great job. It'll be interesting to see how that form translates uh, over to Santa Anita. I assume they're going to ship um, with the firm turf and th- that day was yielding. So it did answer a question for me because remember we thought, well, if it is going to rain and it's going to have some cut in the ground, advantage Moira and not the case. So I, maybe that's a positive. Maybe you can upgrade that ability figure a little bit, uh, knowing that maybe Fevrover prefers a, a firmer surface. So I have yet to look at the time form to see if those fractions were coated blue early, but I can't imagine with two, uh, two long shots out there on the front winging it with Fevrover. So all in all, great race and uh, really proud of that horse and what what he yeah, did. I know you've been a fan for a long time, as have I. I. I was Team Moira on Saturday, but Bev Rover gets the job done. Going to have to get faster to have an impact in a race like the Philly and Mare Turf with a 99 fire speed figure. A couple of corrections I wanted to get out there just about horses I've been talking about on these airwaves who are actually not getting routed to the Breeders' Cup, one of them being Nation's Pride, who we spoke about uh, on the early week show. And we'll be skipping the assignment connection saying they think uh, 12 furlongs is too far. Going to be seeking other targets. Also, on the video I just popped up with uh, Jessica Paquette talking about 10 horses we want to see at the Breeders' Cup. I mentioned Highfield Princess. She's going the Hong Kong route. Will not be shipping over to North America. So uh, just wanted to get those thoughts in there. It does sound like Big Invasion will be headed out there, the impressive winner of the Neartic. So uh, still have him as a live consideration in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Drew, we need to, we, we could reflect, we could do a whole show reflecting on these races, but we did a lot of that on Monday and we only have um, about 10 minutes to wrap uh, this segment. And we've got a lot of ground to cover because I want to talk a little bit of NFL with you later on as well. So let's go back, let's go forward now and look at this uh, two-year-old stakes race on Saturday at Woodbine. The Cup and Saucer going a mile and a 16th on the turf for these two-year-olds. Race number eight on the card, 508 the scheduled post time. And I'm just going to jump in real fast and go first. Cause I'm, uh, I'm very boring here. I think it's going to be very hard for them to turn back. My boy Prince who was the good second to Carson's run in the summer. Um, now getting to uh, race against a considerably weaker level of opposition in this listed stake than in that grade one and looks to potentially be loose and lonely on the lead in here. I'll have some prices to mention later on, but uh, for starters, I'm, I'm uncreative with my boy Prince in the cup and saucer. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I, my boy Prince on top for me, but I'll also use a little bit of King uh, Rosso, the number one at 12 to one. Um, Atard and uh, Old Welling, I think is how you pronounce the connection's last name. They, they seem to point their horses in right spots. I don't have any data to back that up, but I feel like they're always popping at these big prices and these big events, and they have a, a target to get to. So they... 
they paid a hundred thousand for this horse. I think this horse has meant well, didn't really run a tremendous race going seven furlongs, but gets to stretch out still going one turn though at the uh, eight and a half furlong distance. And maybe just can get a pace to run into. I don't see a ton of speed in here, but I think some folks may may uh, point to, hey, if you let my boy Prince just get out there, game over, so let's go send. And that might set up well for a horse like the number one, King Rosso. So a little bit underneath more than on top, but if I'm playing in the contest, I think I'm weighing heavily on my boy Prince into the next race. Makes sense to me. King Rosso, I had a very positive note on. That's the kind of debut line I'm often talking about on these airwaves and on Sky, where it's almost like he figured out what this whole racing thing was all about halfway through the race, passing a lot of horses, making some good ground just in that last sectional. So I was thinking, oh, this horse extremely live next out. Of course, I wasn't thinking it was going to be in a $250,000 stake. I was thinking it was going to be against Maidens. So that's part of why I thought, you know, my boy Prince here. But I like your idea. And, and you know, somebody's got to run in underneath. So if that one's a big price, why the heck not? We'll move on to race number nine, the Ontario Matron. Phillies and Mares three and up. We're going a mile and a 16th on the synthetic in here. A lot of familiar names. Drew, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, I'm going with the new face, the number three, Moifa, Mofa, Mofi, Mofi, Mofi. Yeah. So uh, either way, four to one, the number three. Uh, Import is coming off a nice win, running into the neutral fractions. I think still is unexposed and has some upside left. And many types in here, and I'll be curious to get your pace take on this. They like to go to the lead or have had the lead with a lot of blue slow flat fractions early. I think I'm counting like four or five horses. So it'll be interesting to see if that translates to actual speed or you just have a very, very slow up front with four or five horses. But I'm going to bank that the pace is going to fall apart here and this runner is going to set up perfectly for a closing type of trip. Uh, also, same type of angle here with the number two, Il Malocchio uh, at nine to two. Uh, continues to get those blue fractions and still runs good ones and has finish. I wouldn't leave off any verticals because I think this horse always runs a race and always seems to have a way to finish well. So Il Malocchio. And then I'm going to use a little bit of a long shot. The number one, Afrata, 20 to one, I think is silently getting better in each start and is another closer that needs a pace to run into. But I could see getting up into the frame at a minimum um, and be very much overlooked. So really juicing up those tries and exactos with the uh, number one Afrata. And we'll use a little bit invert uh, horizontal wagers as well for a bit. Drew looking for the countdown in race number nine, three, two, one. I've got the same three numbers, honestly. I've just got them in a different order. Um, and it actually all goes back to the pace you were talking about. See, I thought there would be enough pace that, but it's like, I think the horses that are going to be on the lead early are going to be not the, the serious contenders. And I was wondering if that wouldn't mean that runners like El Malocchio and Mufi could be a little bit closer, not wanting to, you know, not wanting to, to, to get stuck too far back. I was envisioning a scenario where they end up pushing the pace and this pace actually heats up and sets up for a closer. And that's why I was going to take a shot with Afrata here who found company too tough in the dance smartly, but had a very difficult situation in there trying to close into blue fractions. Now maybe getting a positive setup in here, getting back onto a surface um, that I think uh, she is more than capable of taking a, a step up 
on. I thought she was very, very interesting to get in the money at least and maybe even win. For Also, the other part of the case, very hot barn, uh, Josie Carroll, d- doing great things at the moment. And I did think that um, there was a very good chance of the two or the three, you know, uh, making the exactly right time move and not backing up. And so I wanted them as backups. But I was actually going to make Afrata my, my lone A in this spot, trying to eke out a little value there. So I feel good that you're uh, at least partially on board with my uh, with my theory of the case, as it were, when it comes to that one. Let's move it on to race number 10, Ontario Fashion Stakes, Phillies and Mares, going six furlongs this time around. We've got a field of 11 going postward. Um, Drew, we want to get your thoughts on, on this one. There's an old favorite in here that I think I'm going to side with. I'm, I'm curious if you're uh, if you're on board with me or going to go in a different direction. Yeah, I'm going with a little bit of a long shot. The number eleven, Artie's Princess, at twelve to one. Um, I think there's a story to tell based on the trips of last out was speed and fade going a little bit too far at the seven furlongs. Two back, coming off the long break, so you can excuse that one. Yeah. Third back, tried turf, didn't really work. Not much going, and then four back, something just wasn't right because sat the bench for a while. So. I think today is sitting on a big race in what looks to be a lot of horses are equal in terms of figure wise. I will use a little bit of the, I shouldn't say a little bit, probably use half of my money going through the number six loyalty at two to one. I'm not loving the price uh, and I'm not sure what happened last time, but if this horse can get back to that high 90 figure that um, she, I think it's a, she ran, maybe it's a, he He is a, she, these are all she's. Um, could get back to that high 90s figure here um, for L&J Foxwoods and the team. So, or yeah, it is L&J and Gainesway as well. So I, it's a it's a confusing horse, right? Because I think if, if ran the race that uh, she needed to last out, we're going to see another even money or below. Maybe just something wasn't right or didn't like the track. And today gets back over to Woodbine. So uh, rattled off a lot of wins the, in the last uh, 12 months or so. So. That's where I'm sticking, uh, going with a little bit of a long shot on top, and then the number eleven six. and six for Drew. I was sure our flash drive was going to come up. Who I know you've loved in the past, and I thought looked really good in this spot, getting back onto synthetic. I thought it was a reasonable alternative, just as a super uh, class horse that we've you know talked about a lot on on these airwaves. Graded stakes winner um, at the grade two, you know, really like proper grade two horse, really in a lot of ways getting into grade three company. I, I thought she'd go very well. And I did want some loyalty. I was just figuring maybe, you know, maybe it was the ship. Maybe there was something about Presque Isle that day that uh, loyalty didn't show her best. We mentioned about how great Josie Carroll's going. I had this one seven as an A, six as a B, 11 and six for Drew. As we move on to the last race we're going to talk about on the show, we'll have some NFL, quick NFL chatter uh, before we wrap it up. But uh, we do have to talk about race number 11 first, the $7,500 claimer. Phillies and mares three and up going six and a half on the synthetic drew when it comes to uh, this late four at Woodbine for those that are playing it, how are we going to get paid? Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on our flash drive quick of why I, I, sure. I didn't like our flash drive. I, I feel like he's better suited for turf. Yeah. Has run some good numbers over the synthetic, but that's going a little longer and I don't see a ton of speed in here. I think the two horses that I'm taking on top have more tactical speed and I think our flash drive might just be left with too much to do late going the sharp six furlongs. So uh, that's that's where I'm sticking with. Um, but I just wanted to give a quick explanation. Sure. No, I'm glad I should have probably asked. I was just 
hustling through. Yeah. Uh, we'll go head to head with our flash drive in the 10th race, which brings us back to race number 11. What numbers will be on your tickets? Yeah, this is a wide open N2L. I think there's a lot of you got to squint to see it types. I'm going to go with three horses in here. The number one Dixie morning at 10 to one sits off the cheap speed and should make a run at it. Figures fit in the drop in class. The number eight Trizzle Trazzle three to one. Poor Robert Geller having to say that one coming down the lane will be hard. <laughs> a drop in class, a little bit more tactical speed, but not a lot of finish. And maybe that'll be OK in this fairly weak group, but can't really put on top of the short price. And then also number four, Sweet Nola at 15 to one drop in class. And another one that I'm just looking for finishers and the figures fit here. So three horses for me. I think this is going to be a really wide open race going to six and a half furlongs. I'm looking for someone who can actually finish. I caught the eight and the four. Who was the third number that you wanted? Uh, The one. One, eight and four. And I'm with you on the one. That was actually, I don't know how I missed you saying that as that was the horse I wanted to talk about. I thought this horse had a lot of interesting angles, including your idea that might get a very favorable race flow in this spot. But I, you know, I also like the fact that uh, this horse is just a little bit more battle tested and yeah, you know, got to set up last time. It was still beaten four, but that was a much, much tougher race dropping down barn. That's been going great guns. I, I thought that uh, the one, Dixie morning was worth a very long look in the spot. Not exactly a spot where I'm looking to single in terms of backups. You know, I, don't, I just don't have anything particularly clever to say. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to list the one, but just for those listening, not exactly a confident single. Love the idea of backing up where, where you can if you're playing a big multi. But I do think betting the race individually, Dixie morning could represent some value. Let's move on to talk a little bit of NFL, Drew. We did, we did a little pre-production on this one, so we, we we've already we've already picked the race, the race, the, the game that we want to talk about. But I was really impressed with the Bengals last week and, and Burrow's ability, despite um, being a little bit uh, limited, shall we say, wasn't as limited as I thought, and still was able to do a lot of damage in a game where I really thought Arizona were going to show up. So now. Going back to home against the the, the Seahawks, uh, minus two and a half. I was going to go with the Bengals with the thought that they might be considerably better than I thought they were last week and maybe still a little bit better than the market thinks they are. Um, Crowd, uh, very excited, it seems, to bet these three-and-one Seahawks on the road. And they've been good on the road, but I don't know. My my various priors lead me to think that the, the Bengals are, are a side I'm happy to be with in here. And and sounds like you're willing to take the Seahawks when I challenge you in this uh, cut bet. Yeah, and I'm getting plus two and a half. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, and so I, I think this could be an interesting game. I mean, both teams, you can't figure out what they really are going to be. Seahawks three and one, as you mentioned, beat the Giants. Okay, that's the Giants beat the Panthers. A little bit of a closer game than you like to see, and then came out and uh, really fought against the Lions and, and ran all over them. So, I I think in this game, I'm going to take Geno Smith has a little bit of mobility. Uh, they're going to run the ball. This is going to be somewhat of a low scoring affair, and I I just don't know about. Burrow still um yeah they have weapons and yeah maybe they they clicked but I mean it's the Cardinals I know they've been decent but I think they the Bengals finally exposed the true form of the Cardinals so I'm betting that the Cardinals just aren't that good and made the Bengals look good and remember Cardinals Cardinals have done that act before they hang tough in the first half and then completely collapse in the second and they were right in the thick of that game last week so 
I'm betting that the the Cardinals just aren't that good. The Bengals are average, and this is going to be a low-scoring game of uh, a couple field goals and, and a touchdown. Maybe the Bengals don't win outright, but we'll cover the two and a half. All right, I'm putting through the challenge on Cut. This is social betting. We've been working with them. K-U-T-T. Download the app today. Mention uh, where you get the chance that, that you uh, that, that you heard about Cut on our airwaves because – uh, I just think this is a really cool way of betting. The, the, the terms are very favorable, just 3% commission to the winner and a great way to challenge your friends like this. And, you know, we're going to be doing this and keeping track all season long. Great stuff, Drew. Appreciate you. Uh, any parting thoughts before we let you get out of here? No, just gearing up for Breeders' Cup. I think uh, the homework is starting to begin. Um, it's going to be fun. I want to hear when the last races are going to be announced in the order in which they are run. About 10 days, I think it is. About 10 days. Um, Jonathan made a strong case that he thinks it still is going to be the turf sprint. We'll see. Uh, Tim Schramm said that they're going to give the the sort of official word about that very shortly. I know that will really affect your ability to start making a plan for the BCBC. Yeah, yeah. The turf sprint ending it. That's that's cruel and unusual punishment uh, for for horse betters, as I think a majority of people, except for J.K., Tend to shy he away. Makes a good, he makes a good p- plan that if that is the case, it's, you know, he, I think his early thought is Caravel and big invasion to the hoop if that's the way they go. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. We'll have uh, plenty of time for discussion of all that. Drew, we will see you uh, next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Pete. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'd like to thank all of today's guests and sponsors, as well as our founding partners, the TRF, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, trfinc.org slash players as part of their hay drive. They're doing a matching donation right now so your money can go farther than ever. And if you give 200, you have a chance to get one of the last few bottles of the In the Money whiskey. We've got that four-year-old rye finished an additional four months in bourbon, excuse me, in apple brandy barrels. Terrific stuff. I highly, highly recommend. I've got a prized stash of it myself. Also, 10 Strike Racing. Always love to root for the purple and black. Thought about them a lot down in Baltimore because of all the fun we've had in Baltimore at various preaknesses over the years, including when they had a leading contender run fourth, a really good fourth, uh, Warriors Charge a few years ago. Again, love the purple and black. Love 10 Strike Racing. Appreciate their support from the very beginning. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.